Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. With all of the changes happening in healthcare, I'm really excited to have the team that runs one of the new hospitals in the Atlanta area um, from Emory Johns Creek. Um, I have their CEO, Marilyn Margolis, and their CMO, Dr. Adedapo Odetayimbo. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, you know, we've had a couple of healthcare teams on the show recently, but I'm always interested to hear the perspectives of people who are providing the care. So Marilyn and Dr. O, what are, I would love for you to weigh in on everything that's happening and the trends that are happening in healthcare right now. Marilyn, you want to give your comment on what are the things that you are paying attention to at Emory Johns Creek? Thank you. I'd be delighted. So uh, Dr. O and I, along with a bunch of very wonderful team members on the executive team at Emory Johns Creek, we work very uh, diligently with the community to really monitor the trends both in the community and globally, nationally, locally, so that we know strategically where we're moving. My favorite word, strategy. Oh, perfect. We do a lot of strategizing, um, along with being on the ground and making sure that we know what exactly, where we're moving. Because we used to be able to strategize five years in advance. If we can do it one year in advance now, we're very lucky because of the changes in healthcare. And one of the things that Dapo and I spend a lot of time on is how to really serve the population with all the changes in healthcare. How do we provide them the services that are most needed from the vantage point of Johns Creek and the surrounding communities? So we are able to really look at trends where before when you'd be in the hospital for seven or eight days to treat an illness, now we're lucky if we have three days really to, to go through the treatment and make sure the patient's okay. So the treatment starts way before the patient comes into the hospital. We're starting to partner with patients outside of the hospital to make sure, we call it population health, mm-hmm. to make sure that the patients are as well as they can be. When they need episodic care, we provide that care in the hospital. And then the most important thing, which uh, Depo can speak to very well because this is something he does every day, is how to make sure the transition from discharge from the hospital to into the community, whatever kind of community that is, nursing home, skilled nursing, physical therapy, or back with your family, how we make sure you're getting optimal care so you don't end up returning to the hospital or getting sicker or or not knowing what to do once you get back. Mm-hmm. So Dr. O, for listeners who may not be familiar, describe what this thing is called population health, right? And, and how do you actually help improve the health of a population versus treating just the individual when they come into the hospital? So population health um, as a concept has been around forever. We are now really defining it better. Uh, Our emphasis in the past has always been, how do you care for the individual during an episode of care? Mm -hmm. Um, As you begin to track those trends, you realize that to get people healthy, you need to go beyond episodes of care. You really need to think about health from a more holistic 
viewpoint. How do we keep people, really comes down to how do you keep people out of hospital? Mm-hmm. How do we care for you? How do we provide the right environment for you to thrive and be healthy? So you don't need the care in the hospital. And when you do come into the hospital, how do we ensure that the transition takes place seamlessly from home to hospital and beyond? And so population health first looks at that whole viewpoint of the individual and their lives. And then it looks beyond even the healthcare industry. Um, A lot of our emphasis has been on what we do in hospitals and in healthcare. But to truly do population health, you'd have to go beyond healthcare. You'd have to go to homes, you'd have to go to schools, you'd have to really look at our population from a more global viewpoint. And that's the emphasis. And we believe that that's really how we would not only get people healthier, but reduce the total cost of caring for our populations. I know that the government is now looking at paying hospitals, right, and holding you accountable for this population health concept. So one of the things that I know, just as a person, people find worrisome, is how do you provide the same quality of care when the hospital visit used to be seven days and now it's three days? And people are like, well, I used to get more attention and time from my doctor in my hospital, but now they've cut it in half. So how can the care be as good? You want to answer that, Dr. O? Yes. A lot of that really has to do with technology. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the reasons why we've been able to contract the episode of care in the hospital is we have much better technology. We are able to access that information in real time much faster than we used to. So when I started this, um, I was a primary care physician who would take care of patients in the hospital. I would take care of my patients in the clinic and then at the end of the day, see them in the hospital. And so it was a you would provide that care almost on an episodic basis and you would, it would take a whole day to get the results back. Now, a lot of that has changed. Things move much faster. The technology is better. And we've actually gotten a transition now where more than 80% of patients who are cared for in hospitals today are cared for by what we call hospitalists. These are physicians who are dedicated to inpatient care. And so we're able to actually work faster and get results better. Uh, The problem is we haven't caught up a whole lot with the qualitative and the human aspect of that. Mm. Uh, You're not exactly feeling well, but all the numbers say you're well. And uh, we want to bridge the gap between that point when you don't feel 100% well and when you go home. Now, the problem with that, of course, is how do you keep people who are not feeling well safe and at home. We do know too that the longer you stay in the hospital, the higher the risk of other unfortunate occurrences occurring. Because you're with other people's germs. You're not just with your own germs, you're with other people's germs. Exactly. So it's really not the safest thing to stay in (laughs) hospital for that prolonged period. So how do we balance the two? We want to get you home as quickly as possible. And we also want to make sure that the transition, that transition is really the key here between home between the hospital and home, and make sure that's done as safely and as quickly as possible. A lot of things have changed from when we started practicing. And what we know now for sure is when you limit somebody's mobility, which is what we used to do when we had them in the hospital, that does not do them any good at all. That actually would will de- deter you from getting better. So we do early mobilization now. We have better medications. We, have, we do... an an entire, what we call the care transformation model. And what the care transformation model shows us is quality is job number one. So 
one of the things that we, the reason we can have shorter lengths of stay now is because we're so laser focused on quality and we make sure that the patient's not going to get an infection while they're in the hospital. So we're not going to add to your illness. We're going to make sure you get through your illness without getting any, and I'm sure you've heard this, we've all heard it in the news, without getting sicker in the hospital. So Emory Johns Creek and all of Emory Healthcare has been diligent in really going to what we call zero harm to the patient, which means the patient comes in, gets treated, and goes home with some bridge there and doesn't have to come back, doesn't get worse, and and gets better Mm. along with our help. So I think one of the things you said previously is how do you do population health and also do individual care? And that's a great question. And, and the way that we manage to do that is we keep the patient and the family in the middle of the care team. They used to be peripheral to the care team. They used to be the doctors and the nurses and the therapists said, whatever it is, we know best. We're going to take care of you. And your input is going to be basically zero. Doctor is God. That would be correct. <laughs> and I would say the nurses just had a, really, they were right in there with it. I can remember keeping patients' families outside of the hospital room because we we thought that would, you know, be bad and it wouldn't let the patient rest. Now what we know is that having your family, whatever your family is, together with you in the hospital only makes you better. It only makes you be able to understand what's going on because if you're sick, you can't get it all. But if your family member's there, they can say, oh, I remember the doctor said X or the doctor said Y. And one of the things we really concentrate on is medications because medications are known to be a big, uh, a big source of risk for the patients. So with this care transformation model, we do a couple things. Um, one of them um, I'll talk about, and then Zappa can talk about the, the other one. We do what's called bedside changes shift report. So at Emory Johns Creek and in all the Emory Just facilities. Just so that I, we get the, the thing. It's bedside. I, Shift report. Okay. Bedside shift report. Okay. And because we have no visiting hours, because we have no visiting hours, we allow and encourage family members to come in and be with their families 24 hours a day. And when you do that, it really helps to talk to them real time so you can answer your questions right away. And so the nurse to nurse communication, which used to take place in the back room, now takes place at the patient's bedside. And we incorporate the patient's questions, what their goals are for the day, and we check and make sure from a safety standpoint, everything you're supposed to get is correct. We look at your skin, we look at your medication, we make sure you feel okay, we check your pain level. And that way, it makes change a shift report, which can be a, a, a time when things can be missed. It makes it very safe and very cohesive. The other thing that um, hospital medicine really incorporated into Johns Creek pretty early is the structured interdisciplinary bedside rounds. We call them cyber, structured interdisciplinary bedside rounds. And what that is really is just taking the same concept and rather than us caring for you on the periphery, we actually bring the care to the bedside. So every day between 10.30 and about noon, you have a team of a physician, the nurse caring for the patient. Sometimes you have a dietitian, a pharmacist, actually around on the patient together. We go into the room and actually encourage family members to attend that. 
I recall one of those where I would, as a physician, begin to talk about what's going on with the patient, begin to talk about what I have learned and how far we've gone with their treatment. And the patient would, the family member in this case, actually stopped me. I said, no, that actually wasn't what happened. Mm. Uh, here's what happened. Here's what I experienced on day one. Here's what I experienced on day two. Now, that information, you couldn't, that's priceless information. You can imagine what would ordinarily happen is I get that information, then I go back and I share it with the rest of the team. But we are all in the room hearing it from the patient, and we're able to do cost correction there and then. We're able to make changes to the treatment plan because the patient right at the bedside is able to tell you what's going on with them, and the whole team hears. Now, one of the things we've heard time and time again from our patients is, as it's, a reference point, though, this sounds like it's just a stand-up meeting with everybody that's providing care around the patient. Yes, that's okay. exactly yes, right. Yes, that's correct. We, okay. You go from <coughs> patient to patient. Um, the traditional way would be for us to have those meetings on the side and update one another, but actually doing it in the presence of the patient and getting the input of the patient and their loved ones makes the care happen much quicker and makes it much more effective. And it's really more meaningful. That's how we share communication and we make sure that the team is all working on the same page. Mm -hmm. So just to, I want to broaden the conversation a little bit for <clears throat> the other CEOs who may be listening who are not in healthcare. One of the things that I'm intrigued by is the, uh, the mindset shift, the huge shift in mindset that's having to take place at the highest level, levels of leadership in healthcare from you know, we see patients and we get paid for the number of patients that we see to this whole other thing, which is now we got to figure out how to get paid for the population and people we don't see and their family. And now, like, there's all this quality stuff and all these surveys that you have to do and you get paid for them. And it's like you're going to have it's like it's a quantum leap. I know that for most people, it's a quantum leap. And how are you making that quantum leap in terms of your mindset? And I know that you're dealing with all the, the specifics and you're changing the tactics that you use. But from a mindset standpoint, which I know CEOs are going through a lot of disruption in various industries, how are you handling that? And how are you approaching that, Marilyn, in terms of not only your own like, oh, my God, I was doing, doing it this way for however many years of my career, and now I got to do it the whole other way. How are you thinking about that and leading your people through that? Well, you're exactly right. If you don't like change, healthcare is not the place to be because every day something changes or gets um, or gets a little, little different tactic. And, and the way that we really deal with that, it, it's probably going to be a bit surprising because it sounds like it would be to go global, but actually it's to go local. And what I mean by that is, so Emory Healthcare as a system has all the people that are involved with quality. So we have a chief quality officer that we work with and every hospital does. And the what we do is we do these, these across-campus meetings called value acceleration teams. And in those teams, what we do, we actually call them HackCat, which every, hospitals, every hospital has everything with initials. So we probably... <laughs> yeah. Healthcare loves acronyms. They love acronyms. And in these meetings, what we do is we look specifically at what we're doing well, and then specifically at what we're doing not so well. And then across campuses, because you have best practices across all our campuses, and of course, because we're an academic medical center in the literature, what we do is we compare what works. 
And then we do these rapid tests to change in our hospitals to see, can we make this more global for our patients? So I can give you an example. One of the things that is a a problem in all hospitals are urinary tract infections. And urinary tract infections for young people, pretty easy. You treat them, they go away. But as you age, urinary tract infections can be, you know, make you very, very sick. They can make you septic, which I'm sure you've heard about sepsis initiatives. And in order to really make the best decisions, what we got down to with the basics were we used to put catheters in people's bladders to drain out the urine. And what we found was that was the worst idea because that's how you can really, you can introduce infection that way. And so we, what we did as a, as a healthcare system is we really narrowed down the use of catheters. And guess what? Our, our infections dropped dramatically because if you don't introduce a potential source of infection, you're going to be way healthier. And so we do that for everything. There's, like you said, you know, there's, there's government regulations, there's government pay, but really what drives us is what's in the best interest for the patient. Again, going back to the care transformation model, if you keep the patient and the family focused in the middle of the care team, and then you have your, what your beliefs are and your philosophy around that, there's no way that you can get off course because we have such a solid model of transformation and fair and just culture and cultural uh, diversity uh, groups. All those things lead us to talking to the patients at the point of touch and making sure the providers are giving us the feedback because we basically, we don't know it anymore because we're not doing it day by day we can make a guess, but wouldn't it be better to have somebody that's actually doing the work? So those are the people that bring us the information and solve the problems so that we can remove the barriers. And the model works very, very well. Our quality numbers are, I would say, stellar. And um, we're also working on patient satisfaction, which is a big part of quality. Because if, if you have trust in your provider and you know that you can ask questions and we're not going to keep anything from you, your healing process physically and mentally are going to be better. Great. So listeners, we're talking to the leadership team of Emory Johns Creek Hospital um, that is just outside of Metro Atlanta. <clears throat> They're CEO and CMO. And I want to shift the conversation to talking about leadership and your approach and your best advice for CEOs, many of whom are le- leading very, very successful companies on how you are leading people through these changes and what your approach is to having a high-performing organization. Marilyn, you want to start? Thank you. This is like my favorite topic. So if you have to stop me, I'm okay with that. So we do two things that I think are so very much impactful to the, the organization. One of them is a program we instituted a while ago called Walk a Mile in My Shoes. And, and what we do is everybody in leadership takes a time every month to go upstairs, what we call upstairs, and work with a department. So you can get your scrubs on. For me, it's fun because I get to go back to nursing. Um, Dapo already does his um, doctrine, which he's so great (laughs) at. Um, But we go to pharmacy. We go to accounting. We just find out what everybody does and what that does for us is it shows us firsthand, oh my gosh, that change 
totally didn't work. Mm. And people are much more likely to talk to you about what does work and what doesn't work when you're sitting next to them mm-hmm. or you're helping get a patient situated in bed. And that has been very successful for us. And it has actually led to what we do um, on a rotating 60 days. We do these value improvement projects based on what we find in the organization that does not work. And I imagine it must be pretty mind-blowing for somebody to see the CEO of a hospital emptying a bedpan, you know, or whatever it is that you do or changing a catheter or whatever, you know, that must be pretty mind-blowing. But in our hospital, we like to think that's not mind-blowing. Uh, yesterday I was out in, on the floors and someone needed to be moved. They needed to be moved in a way that really wasn't very pleasant. But they were looking for help and they called for help and I was right there and I donned on my gown and everything and, and went in there and you know we've our culture is such that that's not strange mm-hmm. and it wasn't seen as strange to the people that I walk with I'm on the floors all the time I'm in patients room all the time Merlin is Merlin actually has her phone number in every patient's room a cell phone and she gets very interesting calls 24 <laughs> 7 that is our culture. Our culture is to really be as close to the front lines as we possibly can be. Uh, we're not a C-suite that's hidden in some corner of the hospital. Mm-hmm. We want to, that really is a culture we're building and that's who we are. So really, I don't think it's strange for us mm. for that kind of thing to happen. I am so intrigued by this. So <clears throat> for me, I you know, we talk about culture in the second half pretty much of every show. And, you know, this notion that um, of modeling, which is the single best, cheapest, easiest way for people to um, inculcate the culture into their organization. I think it's fascinating, and I think it's um, very revealing how you guys are choosing to model your values. Um, But what I think, uh, what I want to ask here is, I see a big disconnect often between, you know, the CEO, like, for example, on Equifax's website says that integrity is one of their core values. And, you know, so the CEO says, you know, it's it's good customer uh, service or patient satisfaction. And then the really good CEO will make sure that her first line management, like her CMO, is, you know, showing patient satisfaction and customer service. But then when you get down way deep into the organization, it doesn't necessarily, you know, there's a big gap between what happens at the in the executive suite and what happens <clears throat> on the front line. What are some other suggestions that you have for the CEOs listening for how they can fill that gap? One of the other very successful programs that we've instituted actually in all the hospitals is called the huddle. And the huddle is when you get together with the people doing the work and you discuss the day's events. So we have a huddle every day at, it just happens to be at 8.45. We, all the, all the management people go, we have frontline people there and we talk about what's going on in your department. Are there any safety issues? Are there any staffing issues? Is anything broken? Is there any equipment broken? Is there any way that we can do something right now? So I think what we've found from the modeling is, and I know this is an old term, but it's, it's one that still rings true, is you have to walk the walk. You can't just say we have integrity or we're patient focused and then say, oh, you can't visit right now. So you have to make sure that you're really aligned with what you say and what you do which is why that care transformation model works so well. Because if you went back with us, which you're always welcome to do, and come visit Emory Johns Creek Hospital, you would find the minute that you came in there 
that it's a welcoming environment, that people want to help you. And that's what we strive to do every day. So if we're not out there and doing the same thing that we're asking people to do, you, you just don't have any credibility. So I think um, the, the other part for us that I, I feel like is lucky, although we're growing by leaps and bounds, which is also great, is we have a smaller shop. So we have 110 beds versus 600 beds. And it's, it's, it's somewhat easier to be present to see more of the people. So my, um, we have a chief nursing officer also, Heather, and she and I do what we call um, progressive town hall meetings. And we take food, really yummy food, from unit to unit, um, <laughs> and we make. We when make, I go on that that trip to visit Emory Johns Creek, I'm going to test and see whether or not that hospital food is actually that good. It's the Maryland. yummiest. Really, it's the people come from the community to eat with us. We have like the chamber meetings there. It's fabulous. So we. So I think the thing is, like, we do day shift and we do night shift. You have a 24 hour operation. You have to be there 24 hours to see people, and so I think it's the presence. And the respect, that's the other thing. And I know respect is a very large term, but I think for us what respect means is it means being present and listening to people and then interacting on those things that they talk to us about. Hmm. And and guys, we're out of time. I would love to continue this conversation pretty much for the rest of my life because I'm very passionate about it. But as we close, what are some of the new programs, interesting things that you're doing at Emory Johns Creek that you would like for our listeners to know about? Okay, so we just built a second cath lab. We're really, really excited about that. Because, for those that, oh, cath lab. So it's a place where you can go when you're having an acute heart attack and they can open your vessels up. We do that at Emory Johns Creek and it's a wonderful program. And you can also go there for different kinds of procedures. We only had one because we were 10 years old this year. And so we added another one so that when we have an emergency and we have somebody else there, you can do um, the procedures in tandem and everybody gets timely care. Time's real important on that. We've added another MRI to make sure that we can scan patients in a really timely fashion because we also see acute stroke patients at Emory Johns Creek. And that's another thing that you can give them what's called a clot busting drug, and you can really diminish or, or really get rid of all the symptoms of a stroke using that technology. We're using um, some tele-technology tele, uh, that has been very, very successful for us, and we just are adding, in January, these beds come available, 10 beds for observation in the emergency department so that you can uh, be seen down there and stay for about 24 hours, get your symptoms checked out. And then either go home if you're well or be admitted to an inpatient. So we are, we're very excited because we're at capacity. So in the next couple of years, we'll be adding beds. We'll be adding medical office space for our physicians. And of course, we'll be adding staff and physicians. Great. So uh, if people want to get in touch, not that it's hard to find your hospital, but if people <laughs> want to get in touch with you to hear more about anything that we've talked about on the show today, how, could, how can they do that? So... We are always open. Um, my office is always open. I would love to hear from anyone who want to respond to this. My email is aodetoy at emory.edu. I'm ready to continue this conversation. I'd love to hear from you, listeners. Wonderful. 
Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to CEO Exclusive. I'm your host, Soyini Koch, and I hope you have a profitable, productive, and very prosperous week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.